Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we enter an infinite hit cycle, making it impossible to progress. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including EA just begging for a merger. And then on Thursday, we are adding online to classic Nintendo games. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, Patrick, uh, this past weekend, my husband and I did a little cycling, like uh we rented some motorcycling. Bikes. Yeah, <laughs> we rented some bikes. We're um, cruising around, and uh, you know, I am a, a pale person. Mm-hmm. I burn fairly easily, and so I tried to protect myself the best I could. You know, I slathered on the sunblock on like my face, my neck, my ears. Are you using the spray or a lotion? I was using a lotion. Okay. I was like, you know, had a kind of long sleeve shirt on to try to protect my arms. Kind of long sleeve shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the um uh and so I thought I was doing great. Mm. And then after we're done bicycling, I get inside and I realize the like sewer l- pipe to my Helm's Deep Yes, okay. A fortress uh-huh. that I had built of sunblock that I'd never considered before, but now we'll never forget. Tops of your feet? My Tops of my hands. Whoa! Yeah, were like beet red. So later yeah. in the afternoon when I was like, I would, you know, at a store or something going to pay for something, people would see my hands and like physically jerk back. They would recoil. Because it was like, it was, it was burned. My hands were... Very burned. And your hands were burned by uh, a, an orc that was charging at them with a <laughs> with like a, a sparkler torch? That's right. Okay. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, worth my bravery um, will be well remembered. Um, is it strange that they like just patiently like walk the bomb up to the uh, gates and then like someone else separately has to light the bomb? It is strange. And also like why would people not think about this? Why would why mm. would mm. if you are fortifying the place? Why would you? I guess maybe because I shouldn't cast aspersions on the people who were living through it. But now me, with the right. benefit of right. having read the two towers and seen the movie, if I am ever in a fortress that is a, about to be under siege, you know that I'm going to be looking for that sewer grate and being like, "Hey, eyes on that sewer grate, everybody!" Yeah, we need to guard that grate. With I mean, really, it should be the grate shouldn't be at ground level it should be above and then the sewage should just like fall down yes i guess the problem is like then you have to build everything to the height like even higher the whole thing is hewn out of the mountain mark like it's it's fine you're already building walls that are like 40 feet high or have like a little conveyor belt that will, you know, there like, we go. Yes, that will lift dun, the sewage up and then go down the, the slide out of Helm's Deep. Speaking of sliding out of Helm's Deep, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address. We can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. 
There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. That also belongs to me. Um, it's not a problem. Either way, you play the game for as long as you want. You send it back, and postage costs you nothing because it cost me something. I pay for postage both ways. It's the perfect borrowing program. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you get your podcasts where you're, you're able to rate or recommend things. Um, it really makes a huge difference in people being able to find the show. It affects our ranking. You know, when somebody searches for Nintendo or talk about Helm's Deep Sewage and... Oh, Patrick Which I, we will put in the show notes, of course. <laughs> Patrick and I also really just enjoy reading your reviews, hearing from people. If you leave us a review in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, Patrick and I can see it, and so we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave us a review anywhere else, it's harder for us to see it. You know, Spotify, you can leave five-star reviews, but there's no, like, written portion. So if you leave us a review... If you leave us a review anywhere else, it's kind of like uh, moon letters in The Hobbit, right? When they can't read the moon letters on the map... But you hitting us up on uh, either with an email or on Twitter, that's like Gandalf holding them up to the moon so that everyone can read what's there. Yes, I like this. I like this so much. Um, so, yeah, uh, send us your moon letters if you haven't, if uh, you're not leaving a review on the US Apple podcast store. And let us know so we can give you a shout out. Uh, also, you should get in our Discord. We're having a fun time talking about Nintendo stuff. Um uh, hit us up either on email or Twitter. Let us know you want to get in there and then get in there. A um, lot of Mario and Luigi talk in there lately. Yeah. Everyone's playing Everyone's Mario and Luigi. Everyone's playing Mario and Luigi. Uh, to the point where I even turned on my copy of uh, Bowser's Inside Story and uh, played it for like 10 minutes before I was like, I want to do something else. Should I finally play Dream? I, I feel like, so Dream Team is the one that I own. Right. Because it came with my Year of Luigi, like Dream Team Special Edition. Right. And now uh, it's too late XL. for you to buy anything else <laughs> with the credit card. Now it's too late for me to buy anything else with the credit card. Plus, in all of this talk about Mario and Luigi, nobody ever talks about Dream Team. So it's I'm like, true. maybe this is not the one to play. Or maybe it's the one to play because you'll be the only guy with the knowledge on it. Yeah. There you go. Um, to the Discord. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, another reason to join our Discord is you can correct us when we make mistakes. In, friends, it is time with for, with limits. <laughs> with limits, it's it is time for a debug. Mm -hmm. um, so last week, when we were talking about Cadence of Hyrule, I very confidently pinpointed it to 2020. And uh, even though Patrick was like, I don't think that's right. That's right. Kind of just let, let, right the, over let the record show that yeah. I uh, I did weigh in and say, like, I think it was earlier. But I r ran right over mm -hmm. him. Rough was shot. sure that it was 2020. Mm -hmm. But in fact, it is not. Uh, thanks to Jake G5 on our Discord for uh, correcting me. Cadence of Hyrule was released in June 2019. Um, there was DLC released in 2020 in my defense. I'm sure that's what you were thinking of, the DLC, because you were so tuned into it that <laughs> you were hyper-aware of when the DLC came out. Also, uh, I in talking about the Card Shark demo last week, I mentioned that I wish that it had like difficulty settings because there are a lot of timed elements in the game, and it is uh, you really like feel it when you're trying to you know sort, sort the cards or do whatever and you see the person getting more and more impatient in fact there are difficulty settings within like the settings menu there's three different options that you can choose from and then even in the demo even in the demo yeah and then uh finally you and i weren't sure about whether there was a use for the leg strap 
yet that is packed in with physical copies of Nintendo Switch Sports. Again, I'm pretty sure I said I think it is there, and well, you were like, I've not seen it. Well, I... In, you can lump me in with you all you want. Yes, That's fine. <laughs> we, the royal we in this case, weren't sure. But you're you're right. You were right. And Andros corrected us slash me. Um, <laughs> the soccer shootout game exists, and it can be played in multiplayer versus Andros is not a huge fan. Also on the subject of Nintendo Switch Sports, this one I think both of us, but also potentially just me, we weren't sure if like bowling online was just um, like the bowling tournament or if you could get other modes. Yeah, and yeah, I think that that is, uh, certainly I have still only encountered the, the tournament. And uh, Discord m- member Anthens says that they played obstacle bowling online with random players. So apparently it's possible, but still nobody is sure. Nobody in our circle is sure what triggers the different game modes. Yeah. It might just be random or how many people are, you know, they like get in a group or something. Um, I guess you would have to really um, play a lot with just the bowling on. Whenever I go in, I just go random. I'm like, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever the universe wants to give me is fine. Um, Mark, I want to drill in onto this. Do you think uh, uh, Anthons uh, Anthons is Anthon Z? Do we think the Z is pronounced like separately, like Anthony? Anth- oh, Anth- that Anthon very Z? very well. I mean, they can tell us, right? Let but, us let us know. But, but my guess is that yes, because uh, this person is Anthony Deluca who made our new logo. Right, right, right. And so right. it makes sense that it is Anthon Z. Yes. Um, but hey, maybe it's not. <laughs> um, all right, Mark, let, thank you everyone for the debugs. Let's keep it up because we're going to say some other wrong stuff later on. And uh, I mean, I have no problem being wrong. Um, it pains me. Uh, that's why I ro- rope you in. That's Well, and I will gladly take that burden with you, although I will point it out <laughs> in a really kind of petty way <laughs> that I wasn't involved. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. So you and I are going to be appearing on the Super Gamer Boys uh, Game Club podcast. Um, we're recording this week. Uh, I don't know exactly when the episode comes out. We will, uh, of course, share it with everyone when it does. Um, but we are joining the uh, Super Gamer Boys to discuss Super Mario World. So I played all the way through Super Mario World this weekend. Nice. Um, which uh, is a- an experience that I give myself seemingly uh, at least once a year. It is the gift that you should, you know, continually give your oneself. Yeah, it's just so fun, and so the I, I don't know really when it happened that I, uh, like gained all expertise about the game, but I just know every single exit. I know everything about the game. I know where all the secrets are, um, and there. It's just I don't know. It feels very comfortable and comforting for me to play super mario world we you know when i go back to when i'm like in the mood to play a classic 2d mario game super mario world is usually the one that i turn to i don't know that it's the one that i've played the most that's probably super mario brothers 3 yes but there is something like especially like you said like comforting especially just like good about super mario world super mario world is uh, I think the most completely realized cartoon that like Mario ever is. Um, I I was in one of these levels where you're, you're underwater and there are 
um, these like torpedoes that get launched out of these like little torpedo bays, but they're lowered into the water um, by like little hands, like with gloves on them and they just like let them go. And then the hands like retreat back in, into these little metal boxes. And I was just struck by how much like, that's a that that's like a cart that's like something that would happen in like a Mickey Mouse cartoon or like a Looney Tunes thing, um, and there are just so many other little moments like that that don't get replicated when um, Super Mario World is being referenced elsewhere, like when you're using the tool set in Super Mario Maker Two or One, I guess either Super Mario Maker the series as a whole. Um, that like there's just so much specific personality to uh, Super Mario World that isn't repeated. Um, and is just wholly unique and charming. Like I, I really, really, really love the game. And I'm not to overstate this because it is still, you know, like a platformer, and you can have a lot of fun, you know, getting through the level as, as quickly as possible. But one thing that I think really distinguishes Super Mario World, and another reason that it is, dip, it feels different to go back to versus like Super Mario Brothers Three. Super Mario Brothers Three is so much about like speed. You know, the levels are short. Yeah. It's about like kind of like getting through it as quickly as possible. But Super Mario World is you there's more opportunity to just kind of like explore and luxuriate in the world. Like it just feels like you have more time. There's more like presence to it. Yes. And yes. so it it is I think for that reason, it sometimes feels more rewarding to go back to because you can like exist in the world in a way that you can't really in, you know, the yeah. earlier games. Well, I mean, speaking again to that same cartooniness, just like the individual uh, environments of each of the levels, each of the worlds is more realized. Um, every time I get to the Forest of Illusion, I'm uh, impressed by the unique music cue at that point. Um, that doesn't really sound like anything else in, in Mario. Um, and that every single level that you go into that isn't a ghost house or something um, is like a for like a densely forested area. And um, there are like multiple levels of trees scrolling in the background, one level of trees in the foreground, which is super cool. Um, and just like the aesthetic of that world being like, this is, it's like a whole forest is a ghost house, you know, where like it's trying to mess with you. I don't know. It's all so like rewarding and vibrant and cool. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I got another chance to dip into uh, Nintendo Switch Sports this weekend. Uh, I don't really have anything new to report there other than I was really enjoying uh, just playing online and uh, randomly serving up um, whatever sports. Um, and Mark, I got to say, I'm coming around on four on four soccer. Um, to the point where I like it now, um, and I'm less like anxious about when either I plant myself as the goalie or as the guy who just stays on offense. Um, but like I've decided that that is always what I'm going to do. Like even when the rest of my teammates are like switching completely, mm -hmm. I'm gonna pick one and just stay there. And I think it pays off. Yeah, like, it totally does. For, like, your team. Like, mm -hmm. having somebody who's just willing to hang back. Yeah, I love 4-on-4 soccer. We should... You and I should... We haven't played Nintendo Switch Sports together I know, at all. I know. And we should. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and I'd be interested to see how soccer um, works, you know, with, like, when two, two people, people are, yeah. like, actively <laughs> working as a as a team. Um, could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then uh, I had a... No. The other statement I had about it was... Um, I'm having a little less fun with bowling now that everyone knows how to play. Um, used to be, like in that first weekend, first two weekends, uh, that every time bowling would come up, I'd be like, yes, I'm going to get like first, probably, maybe second place, um, but probably first uh, in this in this bowling tournament. But I think both uh, two things have happened. Everyone has gotten better at bowling. 
um, and the is number one. Number two, I've gotten worse at falling. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Um, so it's uh, I, I I've just been uh, I've not been doing well in bowling. Um, but I feel like everything else, um, like I can usually win a, a Chambara match. Um, I can usually win badminton, um, tennis, depending on how my partner is. Um, soccer, I'm telling you, you just plant yourself as one of the one of the positions. Um, and, uh, your, your team will do a lot better. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really just bowling that I feel like has gotten away from me. How close are you to that squirrel suit? Still pretty far. Yeah. Um, cause have you seen anybody wearing it? Yes. Oh, okay. I have seen people wearing it. Well, there, so there's another set of, uh, gear in, in the mix now, the dark set, um, which has like some cool, like black hoods and like some like weird face paint. Um, and right now my guy, my, uh, he's not a me, but you know, whatever that my, uh, you're human, my human, um, looks a lot like me. Um, and he's wearing, uh, he, like I've got glasses on and, um, he's wearing a, a mask, um, like a, this, the white surgical mask. Um, cause I want to be responsible. Um, and, uh, so like I keep getting all of this stuff that's like kind of cool, kind of goofy and I'm happy to get it but I'd never want to put them on because like <laughs> he kind of looks like me. I don't want to mess that up. I've been playing the card shark demo. Mm-hmm. So I, um, last week when I talked about this, there was one specific con that I was stuck on. And basically you had to like, uh, take, get, take a deck of cards in one specific moment. And then, pull out cards from the deck and like remember which cards you had pulled out because then you were going to get a second deck to take and in another moment um you had to like pull those same cards that way there weren't duplicate cards in the mm-hmm. deck and um i when i was playing it last week it totally like stressed me out could not figure out how to get past this particular con um alana on our discord gave a great suggestion which was much better than my like planned way to attack it, which was basically like pull the card from the deck, um, spend the game, write it down, and then play. Uh, turn the game back on, pull another card from the deck, suspend the game, write it down, and so right. on and so Mark, forth. Mark was going to cheat in the I cheating was, game. I was going to try. turned out uh, it wasn't necessary. Once you get past that part, um, the demo, or really you could you could be doing this in multiple different ways. But for me, that was one of the final like cons that I could pull within the demo before the demo ended. The game is like, it's really interesting because a lot of it. So a lot of times it will prepare you for like, Hey, this is the con you're going to do. And this is how you do it. Gives you opportunities to practice. And then other times, you know, there'll be like these little, just like vignettes that happen in between where two characters, like you're, you just successfully pulled off a con and you are leaving and two characters that you met earlier who know that you're a con artist are like, hey, like, come look at this thing. And if you can, uh, you know, do this trick to flip a coin and be able to successfully, like, call what, you know, whether it lands on heads or tails four times in a row, then we'll give you, it's like a ton of money. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, let me try it. Like, I'll do it. And there is a trick to it. 
but this time it doesn't give you a chance to practice. It's oh, just that's a one. Cool. And, and when you fail, if you fail, and I failed, if you fail, it's not like there's like, oh, do you want to try again? It's just like, no, that was your chance to do it. Right. You know, like maybe you it'll may come up again. Something like this. Later, yeah, but, but yeah. like no, like you didn't have a chance to practice it. If you didn't like immediately master it, like that potentially is your only chance. Also, the story of it, the demo did a really good job of kind of like hooking you into it because there's this broader like mystery like conspiracy that mm. uh you know amongst nobles that you're trying to solve nobles. and at, on the very last con that i did i uh <clears throat> the stakes are rather high in a way that are different from the other cons leading up to it and so uh they're basically like the person knows that you're a con artist and if you get caught cheating they will kill you and your partner and so I died once, like he like shot me and I went to hell essentially, or at least the afterlife. And you like talk to death and there's this little mini game that you play with death to be resurrected and like you can lose coins and like all this kind of stuff. It, basically the way that the game like reveals itself yeah. and even in this demo, like revealed itself to have more going on than, you know, it initially appears. I don't know. It's, it's really intriguing. I've, liked it a lot and especially now that i know that they're that i can kind of like lower the difficulty if i need to give myself like more time so to reduce the stress or like tension of playing the game um i am super excited for this i think it's Whoa. i think it's a lot of fun that uh that's very exciting i want to share my experience messing around with a demo this week as well um because there was some confusion and then some conversation about uh, Cadence of Hyrule. Um, I grabbed the demo for that because it's free. You can uh, play the, the demo for it. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to uh, continue with um, Cadence of Hyrule. I enjoyed my time in the demo fair like fair fairly right like i think the uh the action and like learning enemy patterns and having to act uh you know in time with the beat um and just you know it's sort of being this like uh sort of snappy logic puzzle um set to um you know remixes of, of zelda music is cool is fundamentally a, a cool concept i think the exploration and that you have to do kind of a lot of is not super satisfying um but uh, I mean, if if the exploration Im improves as you get later in the game, I would love to know that. So you know, let let me know in in the Discord or on Twitter or something, um, because I'm I I liked what I played in the demo. I'm not in love with it. Yeah, I remember picking up the demo when it first came out in 2019, <laughs> and I hated it. Like it just didn't click for me. Yeah, and I did not find it fun at all. Yeah, it's I mean it is. It's so much based on, like, you walk into a room with a bunch of enemies, and you have to observe how they all move around and, like, what their patterns are, and then try to execute on attacking them during the the uh, beats where they're either inactive or, like, facing the other direction um, and avoiding their the, the attacks on – or the beats on which they attack um, – which, you know, it's either that's either going to be something that clicks for you or, or doesn't, I think. I've also been playing Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch and making a little bit of progress there. So, um, again, spoilers for a, a little bit while I talk about what's happening in the game. So I went back to Sniffleheim yes. and um, found out, you know, that Eric and his sister were captured by Vikings mm -hmm. and then, like, the skeleton Vikings show up and take Eric away. And so I am 
back on wherever the Vikings live. Yes. Um, and just rescued Eric again from them. But that's where I saw like the revelation about his sister and all that kind of stuff. And so Eric takes off kind of on his own. And so we're, we're now, the group is now chasing him. Um, that's great. So have you seen her in the other I've, form? No, I've only, okay. I've only seen her, um, the, we like touched a root of the tree. Right. And so okay, we saw okay. the vision and th- that's basically, that's basically the extent of it. I'm glad that I didn't just say what <laughs> I what was going to say about, uh, about Maya. Is the character's name Maya? I don't remember. Eric and Maya. Um, uh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you are still making progress. Um, slowly making progress slowly. towards the uh, uh, the. I know the moment shattering. That, yes, yeah, yeah. The moment that has been um, built up, and so I'm looking forward to. Oh, did I build it up too much? <laughs> I'm just looking forward to whatever like up. I'm it sorry. is that happens next. Also, I didn't play this week, but wanted to call it out that uh, Kirby sixty sixty four, the Crystal Shards, was released last week. I still fully intend to play it, just have yeah. not had the opportunity. Um, uh, a- absolute same. Um. I'm I'm looking forward to. I mean, it's a uh, we spent so much time playing Kirby games and we we're just like, well, I don't know how we're gonna play this one, <laughs> um, and then just didn't, and now we can. Um, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Main thing to call out this week is that on Friday, May twenty seventh, Pac Man Museum Plus is released on the Switch eShop. It includes a plethora of games, including Pac Land, which I think was released separately on the eShop maybe in April. Sure. And uh, different versions of Pac Man have also been available on uh, the eShop as well. The Pac Land is so it's a, a 2D platformer that was released for platforms like the NES. And it originally had Mrs. Pac Man, you know, um, in her for, like with the red bow and the red boots and like the orange gloves and then the baby pack person pack uh, baby pack baby oh. yeah had like a red bow as well and the red boots as well so that was very you know miss miss pac-man and then uh, uh what tecmo what what is this company that does um uh bandai it's yeah 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 okay so and then Namco. Namco, that's it. So Namco and the original programmers of Ms. Pac-Man are in like a big copyright dispute, a big like trademark dispute. And so for this version of Pac-Land, it is no longer Ms. Pac-Man in the game. It's what uh, Namco calls Pac-Mom. So she wears a pink hat instead of a, re- uh, a red bow. She has uh, pink gloves and she has heels instead of uh, red boots. And then Baby Pack has been palette swapped, replacing her red bow with a flower and removing the pacifier. So mm, to make her look less like uh, like Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, so this is Pac-Land, the special edition. Uh, so here's what I find interesting about, uh, th- that's very cool. I I'm, I'm, Thank you for uh, bringing all of that up. Um, but the whole like Pac-Man museum concept um, is very rad to me because there is an element of you uh, like building your um, Pac-Man arcade, like actually building out the space, sort of Animal Crossing Happy Home Paradise style uh, of like rearranging things and uh, adding furniture, putting different wallpapers up and like walking your little Pac-Man avatar around there so he can go up to a machine and play that machine. Um, 
like that's sort of secretly the kind of game that I want more than anything. Um, but just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of Pac-Man games. Not that I think that Pac-Man is bad, um, but like original Pac-Man, great. Uh, Miss Pac-Man, pretty good. And that's the end of the list for me, right? Um, but uh, just the the idea of having like all of these virtual arcade machines inside a uh, sort of like build your own space is very, very appealing. To yeah, me. that is a fun framing device. Also, uh, just it's crazy to me how many Pac-Man games there are. Uh, yeah, it seems like there don't need to be that many Pac-Man games. Also, uh, not a new release per se, but Ubisoft is having a Mega May sale on the U.S. eShop. Mega May! And uh, some highlights. Immortals Phoenix Rising is 15 bucks right now versus 60 Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is 15 bucks versus 60 The Gold Edition of Mario Rap plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle is 20 bucks versus 80 So, you know, the sequel to Mario plus Rabbids is supposed to come out sometime this year. But the first game, if you've never played it, it's still good. really great. It's good. Um, also, I got to say, you don't need that uh, the, gold the gold edition. edition. Yeah, just play the base game. It's fine. Also, I think it's been cheaper than fourteen ninety nine before. I think it's been down to like ten bucks. So, uh, also, Starling Battle for Atlas. Remember that game is twelve bucks, and the deluxe edition is twenty bucks. Maybe worth buying on Switch only for the Star Fox content. You uh, can't get anywhere yeah. else. Well, and and also just like. That game's so weird because, like, uh, you know, I, I bought the physical edition of it when it came out because I wanted that that R wing, and the whole package I believe sent me back eighty dollars, which is a lot. Um, I got my cool R wing, and that's great. But like, the way that the game punishes you for uh, actually engaging with its toys to life concept is sort of criminal um, because if you actually if you're doing if you're playing it that way then to access like anything else you need the physical stuff but if you buy the uh, digital edition it's all just there like i i don't know it's a, it's 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 a real bummer um and it's the sort of thing that made me even at the time go like oh maybe i should buy the physical version and the digital version because the digital version is just more playable yeah it, it didn't make any sense and it also came you know at the end of the big toy to life way at the end boom yeah. and so it was just an odd game yeah for sure um a bunch of other games around this uh ubisoft sale scott pilgrim versus the world um jeopardy wheel of fortune both uh, uh south park games um uno uh i don't know man uh Dude, I feel like I want to get Jeopardy. I did Jeopardy for eight bucks. I think it could be fun. The text entry has got to be bad, but maybe if you're playing by yourself in handheld mode, just like typing it out wouldn't be. Oh yeah, that 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 yeah. could be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, is there anything on the Ubisoft uh, sale list that interests you, Mark? Um, no, nothing that I'm probably picking up. But it just reminded me that I am really looking forward to that Mario Plus Rabbids sequel yeah. hopefully it is coming this year yeah same um all right well then let's close this out which brings us to a regular segment on our show it is time for 433 in 1952 american composer john cage wrote a piece called 433 where in a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds for the purposes of this show our instruments are talking about nintendo so for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, you've set up a little test for me here? Yeah, or that's a, right. A, a, okay, so sitting in front of Patrick are four cups uh, labeled A, B, C, and D, 
and into each cup I have poured a flavor of LaCroix. Well, three flavors of LaCroix and one flavor of bubbly. um, Mm, Okay. And I think, maybe barring the bubbly, these are all flavors. The other three are flavors that you have had at my house for sure. Oh, at some okay. Point. All right, all right. Not that I've been planning this for months, or you know, like seems like you've been planning it for months. Seeding different, uh, you know, cans of Lacroix to you at different intervals, so that way I can quiz you on it later. That's not how we live life, right? And so that that is that is the goal here, though, is quizzing me on it to see if I can identify these flavors. That's right. Of Lacroix slash one of them is bubbly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, and so these are all these are all uh flavored seltzer waters. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, just so everyone knows what Lacroix is. We've talked about it enough We've on the show. We've talked about so. it too much. Too, arguably. Uh, too much. So let's do it for another three ish minutes. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. A, B, C, and D. I'm taking A. Okay. First. Uh. Uh. First, a, a sniff test. Uh huh. Ooh, uh, there's something very uh, like tropical, sort of like fruity here. Okay, okay, um, okay. And it, it, I don't think it's one of the citruses. This is one of my personal favorites. Okay, I'm 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 going to take a sip. Okay, Patrick is drinking from A right now. He's you know like really getting the mouth feel for it. Oh, <laughs> let's not do that. <laughs> no trilling, no trilling on Mike. Uh, <laughs> Is this like a, a mango something? Uh, it's um that is close. Do you want me to, do you want me to tell you what it is? Or is it like passion fruit or uh, something like that? You're Am d- I getting further away? around it? Oh, okay. What is it? It is guava san paulo. Guava. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I, I feel that. All right. Next. Next is B. I promise you won't hear any more drinking noises. <laughs> oh, okay. There's a, a little bit more of a a, a fragrance here mm. to to B. Um, I wonder if this is one that has some sort of like floral component to it. Um, but it also does smell just like artificially sweet. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a sip. Okay. Let me know if you need a hint or anything. I don't know what that is. Okay. Okay. Hold. On. So it, 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 there's nothing coconutty here. There's nothing citrus here. Do you want a hint? Yeah, I'll take okay, the hint. Okay, this is, this is the bubbly. This is the bubbly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me know if you want a second hint. Black cherry. Oof, very close. What is it? It's just cherry. It's just cherry. It's just, just cherry. cherry. Yep. The, the most straightforward of the flavors. Yeah, very yeah. good. Okay, moving on to C. No, uh, on, on to C. I, I don't know that this smells any different than the <laughs> previous two that I said smelled different from each other. Patrick's taking a drink, really thinking this one over. Yeah. Another, again, I don't think there's any coconut in play here. Mm -hmm. There's, again, no citrus. Yeah. I have to say this one is almost, like, unfair. So if you get it, I'll be super impressed. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I don't know. It's beach plum. Beach plum? plum? Yeah. I was going to say beach plum, but I don't <laughs> Which, know why Which, like, is not a flavor. No, 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 no. Yeah. That's, that's a scam artist. Someone was doing their uh, card sharking particularly <laughs> well. All right. And now now on to D. The, D. D, yes. the, 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 the final cup. Mm-hmm. This is the one, if I had to guess one that you would get, I think it'll be D. Only because I think it's probably the most memorable tasting. 
Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got to chug, chug, chug. Oh, my. What? I don't know that I have had this. Uh, what? Is it like chocolate? It's 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 uh, the cherry blossom one. This is the cherry blossom one? Yeah. This, Isn't it so weird divorced from like seeing the from, names on yeah. the can that you're like, it could it could be anything. Same with like beach plum. Like these could be anything. Uh, honest to God, this tastes like chocolate. <laughs> but also cherry may, blossom. Maybe my mouth has just been destroyed by bubbles. I mean, I'm keeping all these cups <laughs> as, as, as we continue. Um, How did I do? I got them all wrong. Um, yeah, but like uh, for a blind taste test that included beach plum, mm -hmm. like I think you did pretty well. Uh, also, I, I I did not prepare, you know, so I'm not a like a trained um, Lacroix sommelier. Um, all right, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. In the midst of consolidation frenzy. I have got to get the taste of the uh, <laughs> the uh, cherry blossom one out of my mouth. I actually I don't mind the cherry blossom one. I thought I liked it too, but yeah. now I'm like I don't know. I think I guess drinking it like in like direct succession from all these other ones, yeah, maybe does it no favors. Are you sure it's not chocolate? I'm I I uh, maybe they put mm. the chocolate one into a cherry blossom can by accident. That yeah, could maybe, also be maybe true. that happened. Though. I didn't test taste it beforehand. An accident at the LaCroix factory, of I, course. I, I didn't I didn't taste it beforehand to actually know that there were no accidents at the LaCroix factory before I poured them into the I'm just trusting that what's on the can is true. Video game consolidation. It's the hip new yes. thing. Everybody's doing it. And this week we got some reports that EA is looking to be acquired or merged with a larger company. This one kind of shocked me. For some reason, I thought of like EA as too big to want to be acquired by somebody. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, you know, it, it is an enormous company, but then again, so was uh, Bethesda, right? Yeah, um, that's true. And uh, I mean, it's uh, both bigger than Square Enix, but Square Enix is another enormous company. Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard. Yeah, it's like. Um, the ceiling for how big of a company uh, can be acquired uh, seemingly knows no bounds. Um, yeah. It's uh, uh, weird and a little unsettling. It also uh, feels odd to um, hear a story of a company looking to be acquired instead of people looking to sell something, you know? Right. Yeah, it is interesting. It's almost like um, I guess they feel like they need that scale because the companies that they've reportedly been talking to are like on the size of an Apple, a like Disney, um, Comcast Universe, like NBC Universal. So apparently, the one that got furthest along, according to a report uh, on the website Puck, is that is with Comcast. So the idea is that NBC Universal, the entertainment arm, would be spun off into its own company, and that company would merge with EA. But apparently, hmm. yeah. So like leaving Comcast, like the communications company. I mean, separate this is now. This is just one us getting one step closer 
to our musty TV uh, style um, uh, Smash Brothers game. Yes, absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Which uh, the the whatever we need to do so I can have you know Sam Malone fight Leslie Nope. Like <laughs> I think that's I think that's worth it. The characters from Caroline in the City, <laughs> Veronica's Closet. Yeah, presumably their names are Caroline and Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> that what the one season of where they tried to make an American version of coupling. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, and they can fight David Spade's character from Just Shoot Me. Like, I think, I think it'd be perfect. That might have been CBS. <laughs> no, I think Just Shoot, Just Shoot Me, me was, think, was, was, NBC? was NBC. Okay. Um, so, th- uh, apparently, uh, that that one with NBC Universal reportedly died just because uh, differences over the acquisition price. Mm. But apparently EA is still on the hunt, like actively looking for a company to merge with or to be acquired by. And interestingly, uh, looking at not other game publishers, I guess you could argue that Apple is a, a game publisher, but not, you know, in yeah. the, not, it's not. Uh, um, not to the same degree. Not to the sure. same degree. Yeah. And, and not even like, um, you know, aligning themselves with like Amazon or Google who have their like streaming things out there. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is interesting that, uh, nowhere in this talk is, uh, Microsoft or um, yeah. Sony. So apparently the, like what EA is looking for at the moment is a merger arraignment that would leave the current EA CEO, Andrew Wilson as head of the organization. But even though nothing has happened so far, it really just sounds like a matter of time b- before EA as an independent organization ceased to exist. Man, that's it's so it's so weird. EA's been around forever. And I guess like merging doesn't mean that they go away. Right. Um, you know, Square and Enix are as much themselves as they've ever been, uh, since since the merger. So Yeah, I don't know. It is and not that EA hasn't gone through like different permutations over its life. I just think of it as such like a constant in the video game universe that it feels weird to me that I, I like you mentioned that you know they are looking to partner with an organization seemingly whose core um, business is not video games, which all these other mergers kind of have been that way. What if a couple weeks ago, uh, when they told uh, FIFA to take a hike, that was just them playing hardball and they're really trying to sell themselves to FIFA? <laughs> I wonder if it's them trying to make themselves more attractive to acquisition. Because they don't have sure. these legacy license fees yeah. that you know they're like on the hook for going forward. Yeah, uh, I mean a, a perfect point. Yeah. Also, relatedly, now that Discovery uh, successfully bought Warner Brothers and it is now one large kind of weird company, they're apparently looking to sell WB Games to reduce debt. Which we why have... don't they spin off WB Games and then you get WBEA uh-huh. as just one company? Yeah, get all get all the acronyms in there. Yeah, that's right. Well, and you know, like two pretty big game studios, uh, you know, made up of several in- internal studios, maybe together could prop each other up. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, and I have to admit, I don't really understand like the economics of why EA would want to sell. Like what. Are, is it just like a content play? Are they worried about not being able to compete, you know, in a world where Microsoft owns so like Activision yeah, Blizzard, where it's just like they don't have the bargaining power with Microsoft anymore, you know? Like, I mean, th- that that does make sense. And, you know, like EA is one of those companies that has 
do, do they call their thing origin their uh um they're oh, like yeah, I guess their, still their exists, online platform right yeah. where like you know is also something that you could subscribe to and that you can subscribe to on playstation or on um xbox or whatever to access their games you know uh i'm gonna say for free but you know actually for a subscription cost and those are just muscled out by uh your playstation pluses and your xbox game pass um because why would you bother getting all of one company's games when you could get all of everyone's games wild um so yeah i i wonder if like that is a weird thing that we are seeing in the video game space that i don't think we've really talked enough about how how odd and probably damaging it is um you know when we talk about uh things like hbo max and netflix and hulu none of those are hardware specific right um and i guess xbox game pass is a little less uh it's a little more hardware agnostic um but even still like that's not going to run on switch it's not going to run on, on on a playstation um but it like it is both the uh, hardware that you're running the thing on and the service that you're running the thing on are owned by the same company. Like it kind of sucks. It's yeah. It is just, I think you're right that like, we just don't know how it's going to, how all of these like mega mergers are going to affect the industry long-term. Yeah. But historically, or it just capitalism. Long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. historically it just does not seem great um, well and like at, at some point um someone is going to maybe this won't happen because you know who knows but uh there the, the, there will be political will at some point to actually start enforcing some like antitrust and um uh, like non-monopoly laws and these enormous companies will get broken up by force right yeah maybe i mean the i I personally was expecting like more, you know, uh, antitrust scrutiny on some of these deals that seems like it hasn't happened. I just wonder if like, yeah, if, if we reach a point, I don't know, you, you think to, you know, Netflix who is going, that company is going through a little bit of, you know, reprioritization when subscriptions dropped off a lot faster than they were anticipating. Like they lost subscribers for the first time. And that like spooked a lot of people. And, you know, it feels like what like video games is where Netflix was, you know, like five, 10 years ago, where it's just all about like, we can lose a ton of money on game pass because it's just about getting like critical mass. And then we'll eventually be able to like, charge people more for it or something but i just don't understand how the economics of owning all of these game companies and all these yeah, games how studios, it actually works out in the long term yeah like yeah yeah well and i you know we uh, again this is something that we were just talking about last week netflix put out their first original show uh in 2012 10 years ago so like the model for a streaming company that uh makes their own stuff um, makes their own like unique exclusive stuff. Uh, that that timeline is not long. We don't know what this looks like, um, and so like the economics of like pumping a ton of you know thirty million dollars into an episode of uh, Stranger Things. Um, how how does that make money? Like does it? Right. Um, and the the answer is like no one knows. Yeah, I guess I guess what I worry about is that we're le- that eventually, and hopefully I'm wrong. 
and I hate to say it, but the debug at the top of the show proved that that happens you more are often wrong than I would like to admit. That's right. But like, I'm w- with you on this one, though. But what I'm worried about is that we, you know, like with such consolidation and so few players holding all of the cards, that if video games, like if it, if we, it feels like we're on the road to another type of video game crash, like the, you know the glut of the 80s that eventually, you know, like, birth, you know, where it's just going to be, like, so few... The com- whole economy? <laughs> yeah, like, well, just, like, so so few companies are going to be holding... In, let's We'll just say video games specifically are holding so many studios, like, hold so many cards that when the inevitable, you know, like, um, uh, video games can't grow, it, it seems unlikely that they'll grow at the rate that they're growing now forever. And so when that backslide happens... Like are previously there are all these independent companies and now there's just going to be like four companies that exist right and so industry jobs are just going to get potentially just like the industry will just get decimated because the people who are holding the cards are going to be like well we're just closing all these studios because they're not making money well and there's also like the uh, yeah I I mean that is absolutely a concern um, and then you know my my comment about like. You know, some at some point, who knows on what timeline there will actually be political will to like sort of enforce policies that are on the books. But there are also challenges now to um, uh, the method by which um, Congress cedes power to regulatory agencies uh, was challenged recently in in the Fifth Circuit, um, which basically calls into question any regulatory agency's ability to actually do anything. Um, that's also in play, like. Uh, it does feel like some of this is just like the uh, early harbingers of like total collapse of the economic and governing system. Um, so there's that. <laughs> just something to just, think just, about. Just something to think about. <laughs> Not feeling good at the moment. Well, while making the podcast rounds <laughs> in the last couple of weeks, I'm sorry. former Nintendo of America president Reggie fils reflected on Nintendo's history of being slow to prioritize online play during an interview with GeekWire. Um, here are some of the things Reggie said, quote, Nintendo's business philosophy has always been to do things differently, to innovate in ways that played to the company's strengths versus playing to the strengths of others. And so, for example, when it came to multiplayer, Nintendo really excelled in what we called internally couch play, sitting next to someone playing Mario Kart. I don't know if you've heard this term before, but couch play. Uh, Sitting next to someone playing a variety of different games like Wii Sports. That in-person multiplayer really was a place the company excelled, and that's where it placed a tremendous amount of focus. In order to do online multiplayer, the company really needed to think about what's the new type of game, what are the different types of experiences that we're going gonna need to create in order to now excel in that form of play. And candidly, it took the company a while to think that through, to come up with something that they believed would be fundamentally different and add value in a new way. I would argue the company's core success started with their taking Smash Brothers, a f- key franchise for them, taking that online, which did exceptionally well. That begat a not quite a first-person shooter, kind of an in-between a first and third-person experience with a franchise called Splatoon, which has done well in the marketplace. Uh, so that's sort of like the the first point that uh, Reggie's laying out of like, if they were going to do it, they needed to have games 
uh, in their library that were all that were like suited for online play, uh-huh. and that what they currently had was not that. That Nintendo was everyone else was doing one thing, and this is you know we know this to be true of Nintendo. Um, that everyone else does one thing and they're like, doesn't matter. We already have uh, a rut that we like. Um, and I feel like that his- history shows that, right? And yeah. that um, like it arguably works for them. I, I could, did I say worked or works? What did I say? I think you said works. <laughs> and I think that that's mostly true, except when it doesn't. Right. Yes. There are still so many ways that Nintendo's library lacks from not having been focused on online play for the last 15 years. I think it's interesting that the like the first example that Reggie brings up here is Smash Brothers. Because Smash Brothers and like Nintendo or Mario Kart DS, which also had online multiplayer, like right. feel like obvious examples to me, but maybe that's and also the Wii online for terrible. Um, suit for like Smash a, Brothers, abysmal. like yeah. notoriously terrible. But maybe those were like they're obvious, but maybe they needed obvious examples to be like, oh yes, right. Mario Kart can work if, when it's more than just four people hooked up to a television. Yeah, I mean that that is the weirdest part about it to me is that like Mario Kart, first of all, is like an easy and obvious example. Like, yes, of course it's it's fun to race other people online, um, but that uh, that Mario Kart DS doesn't like stand out to him as like a watershed moment for them. Right. Yeah, because it was a big deal. Like yeah. when the DS, when the Nintendo DS was Wi-Fi capable from the get-go, like that was a big deal. Yep. But I think the the second part of it, and this is what Reggie's going to get into here, also probably plays a big part into it. So Reggie continues, quote, the second thing I would highlight is, and this is where it gets into some of the cultural differences. Culturally, the company didn't see a huge opportunity in online. It was an area that the Americas and Europe constantly was trying to educate the company in Japan about the value of online play, investing the, in the online infrastructure, which needed to be done in order for the experience to be a positive one. This is where Microsoft invested so significantly, and it became their competitive advantage. It still is today. I would argue in terms of their connected gameplay, it was a constant area of push by the Western parts of the company to encourage the development and the investment in the infrastructure and I'm sure that conversation continues today. Which is also something that we've talked before about on talked about before on this show. That like when we're talking about Nintendo's competition, um, Microsoft and Sony, these are both companies that have spent a ton of time and money developing the sort of infrastructure to just do all of the online stuff, the cloud gaming, all of that. Um, that Nintendo themselves are just not, that's not where their tech is, that's not where their research is, that's not where their resources have been. Um, so, yeah, it, it, that is, it seems to me like it is just a, a cultural thing. This is not where their values were. It was really interesting. So the Xbox 360 generation or the Wii generation, the PlayStation 3 generation, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, let's do them all. <laughs> so I had a Wii, but I also had a, first a, a Xbox 360 and then all of like the people I was gaming with, they had a, they had PlayStation 3, so I eventually got a PlayStation. And the online experience from the Xbox to the PlayStation was so different. Like I feel like Microsoft has always been yes. ahead of the game in that regard. But well, because the PlayStation 3 during that time was the store was awful, right? Like it was everything it was in the web browser on the PS3 when it started. They eventually like it had its own app, but like yeah, it was bad. And everything uh, it's. Everything was really slow. Yes. Like downloads from the PlayStation 3, like it, it just wasn't as good of an experience as Microsoft. And so when he's talking about like there being like a cultural difference, 
I have vague memories from that period of like online discourse. And so I am hopefully not painting with too broad of a brush, but my memory is that like, it was kind of a, uh, like the talking points anyways online were that like Japan wasn't as interested in online gaming at the time as you know like it was exploding in the west yeah yeah i mean and that that is definitely like an, an interesting like kind of take on it too i mean especially when you consider um how much more not that uh handheld gaming uh hasn't been popular here wasn't popular here but like handheld connective uh gaming was huge in japan and like huge in tokyo obviously just because like people are in close proximity yeah, to monster each other. hunter exploded when it went on portable exactly um and you know pokemon exploded everywhere uh, all the time because that's what pokemon does but like you know those sorts of experiences that you can like bring a little machine into the real world and connect with people that way that was maybe just you know more associated to like the the Japanese experience specifically uh, like in cities um, where that's easy to do we we have cities in uh, North America um, but like I don't know you don't think of like New York City as a place where you can like walk around and like you know trade Pokemon with someone right yeah so it, it is interesting and we definitely are continuing to feel the repercussions of Nintendo being slow to online services yes. Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards, launched on the Nintendo 64 Switch Online last Friday. I mean, kind of case in point right here. They're adding one <laughs> one uh, Nintendo 64 game a month to uh, a service. Also, it comes with a potentially game-breaking bug, at least for now. Reddit user Keyblade Master uh, Mad Raj. Sure. All right. Reported that in underwater areas, some sources of damage will cause Kirby to enter an infinite hit stun cycle making it impossible to progress apparently you um are able to just like leave the level like you would have to leave the level in yeah order to progress. Uh, uh and i i have since uh since uh recording um this reddit users uh experience i've seen other people tweeting about it uh so a confirmed problem um so and i guess if you're in underwater areas you know make sort of liberal use of the save scumming so you don't get trapped in an infinite uh hit stun cycle Continuing this talk about Nintendo and online services, will Splatoon 3 allow cloud saves? Kinda, is the answer. So previous Nintendo games focused on competitive online play have not allowed for cloud saves. So Pokemon Sword and Shield, Splatoon 2 required all saves to be stored locally for fear that some players would use the multiple locations of the data to duplicate items and create an unfair advantage in online competition. But the new North American webpage on Nintendo.com for Splatoon 3 specifically, really struggled with that one, says that, quote, uh, online play and save data cloud are features available on the game using Nintendo Switch Online. So that would be a first for the Splatoon series to be able to get any of the save data uh, up on the cloud. Um, There is a little, like, footnote in the description of... Uh, the game here that says um, uh, save data, save data cloud compatible with offline play data only. Um, what exactly that means, what offline play data only is, still a little bit mysterious, right? Because like there's a lot of the single player stuff that you're doing with like the customizations that you earn in multiplayer. So I'm not, I I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe this portends a meteor single player experience 
uh, or if they really are just like throwing a couple little pieces of information for your like regular campaign up up on the cloud. Yeah, still so much about Splatoon three that we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's weird to me is that they don't do a thing where like the entirety of your uh, save data is in the cloud, because um, like you need to be online to be playing it anyway. Explain. What do you mean? Okay, so the the reason that they don't allow the uh, the save data for um, uh, for Splatoon is that uh, you could theoretically have a version of your uh, of your data on your Switch and a version in the cloud. You change one thing and then revert it back. So it's like you sold something, uh, and then you can get the money for it and then still get the item back. Right. Um, that's like the sort of like thought behind it but if uh you have to be online to play splatoon anyway which you do um why not just store your save in that same online space that you can't access your your save unless you're online uh, but you can't play the game unless you're online anyway oh yeah that's interesting i don't know i've never really thought about it i get why that wouldn't be the case for pokemon because so much of pokemon is solitary play um but yeah like for that for splatoon it seems like an easy fix yeah interesting but also, like, Splatoon 2 came out before they were doing, True. like, online yes. saves. And yeah. so um, maybe whatever, you know, the reasoning was for Splatoon 2 is not the same as it was for, as it'll be for Splatoon yeah, 3. Because they could build it with that in mind. Uh, but also, also, like, who cares if people are duplicating <laughs> items in Splatoon? Like, Well, no, you know, I mean, because there is, like, competitive play. And you don't want people to be taking advantage of it for cheating. I... Kinda, but like also, if someone just like gets more weapons in the games, like they they're not unbalanced, right? Like they they never design something to be like so powerful that uh you know if you have it, it's an automatic win or anything like that. Um, it's always just like about variety, and if like someone wants to like kind of cheese their way through it and uh get those items without earning it, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, maybe there are more nefarious ways for people to cheat that there must aren't be. On our there must be something. Because yeah. yeah, I I see what you're saying. During a recent Sega Financial Results call, the company was asked about uh, targeting Metacritic scores for the upcoming and notably delayed out of 2021 Sonic Frontiers. Uh, the answer that from the company underlined that the team is specifically chasing quality with Sonic Frontiers. Amazing. So, uh, quote, we have set internal targets as the correlation between the scores of external evaluation organizations and sales is high in Europe and in North America. If the game gets a high score, it can become a must-buy game and possibly generate synergy with sales. So we are currently working hard to improve the quality of the game towards its sales for the holiday season. Uh, what incredible insight that they're like, <laughs> all right, we're going we're gonna to try making this one good. Yeah, we noticed that if we make a good game, people might be more interested in buying it. Wait, I mean, you know, it's a... Uh, um, What's his name? The uh, the the original one of the original Sonic programmers, right? That uh, made um, Balan Wonder. Oh yes, we were talking World. about it just uh, last week. Um, was you know saying like, oh yeah, Square Enix doesn't care about the the, the quality of these games. Yuji Naka. Yeah, I think I think Yuji is right. Um, uh, and this is uh, now Sega being like, for this one, we care about how it's received. <laughs> I mean, it has been it's been a while since Sonic Forces. So I, it does feel like there's a lot riding on Sonic Frontiers. Yeah, I mean, there was... Wait, nope, you're right. 
it has been a long time since Sonic Forces. I was uh, in my head was like, no, Sonic Boom. Dude, don't forget about Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom was like ten years ago. <laughs> um, also, you know, delay it as long as you want because it is. Uh, we this show has not had to figure out what comes, what happens to the Sonic Forces borrowing. Program if anything, Sonic, if anything, right when Sonic Frontiers comes out, maybe so. something happens here. We don't know. Finally, in the U.S. Nintendo, uh, in the U- United States, Nintendo has added a sp- how do you say- I've I've been saying this Spaco Spaco Square, which is the location of that the events take place in Nintendo Switch Sports. They've added a Spaco Square cooling towel as a physical reward to the My Nintendo so- uh, store, so you can pick it up for five hundred and fifty pl- platinum points. Um, it's like a cool, you know, like a little towel that you'd put around your neck. What makes it, what makes it cooling? Uh, I guess you can dunk it in water and oh, then okay. put it on your head. <laughs> you had to, uh, you had to provide the cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It it's doesn't like electric or anything right. like that. Um, but this did make me think like two things. One to our listeners outside of the United States, what kind of rewards does Nintendo have in your region? Like when we're talking about this stuff, is it the same for you? Do you get cooler stuff? I feel like Japan gets really cool stuff, but I'm not sure how Europe what how Europe fares. Yeah, I would love to know what everyone gets. Uh, my Nintendo rewards are so like, it's there's something new basically every week, and we don't talk about it every week. Um, we really only bring it up when there's like something that we're like sort of interested in, or where it's like just weird enough that we're like, hey. What's going on there? Yeah. Um, do you think you will cash in um, some uh, platinum points to get this cooling towel? I was thinking about it, but then I was thinking maybe I should just get those Nintendo 64 keychains. Oh, yeah. That came out like a month ago. But also, like, I don't know what I would do with the Nintendo 64 cool ch- keychains, but I don't know what I would do with a Spaco Square cooling towel either. Uh, well, you could have taken it with you on your bike ride o- yeah, over the right. weekend. Yeah, protect my hands. That's right. Um, also, uh, one other thought related to this is uh, did you ever have when you're like in elementary school have like an author come and to your school and you know read the story that they had written and then answer questions yeah sure and i feel like inevitably there would you know somebody who would a kid who would ask like where do you get your ideas and it's it's a silly question but it, it's cute when it's coming from a kid because you know how stories are invented all of that i is um is interesting well i got the idea to start this podcast when you and i were talking about how we don't spend enough time together <laughs> but uh as childish a thought it is i am dying to know these the my nintendo reward people where do you get your ideas <laughs> <laughs> where does this stuff come from i you know you know where it comes from is it comes from uh someone saying okay what can we print our logo on? Uh, and, and someone's like, well, okay, we priced out a bunch of different things and like washcloth is the cheapest one. <laughs> and we can get it here, you know, like by this date. So it'll yes. at least be close to the release of Nintendo Switch Sports. And someone else is like, can it be a sports bottle? And someone else is like, we're giving these things away for <laughs> platinum points. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any old place where you can do those things with podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter. Let people know why you liked listening to it. Um, then they will uh, also listen to it. They can tell other people why they like listening to it. It's a, a, a wonderful cycle that we just want everyone to participate in uh follow us on twitter i'm at patrick underscore ellers mark is at mk mitchell the show is at nincart society get on the discord 
Check us out on Facebook. We're just Nintendo Cartridge Society there. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.